you're listening to Faithless Brewing, a Magic the Gathering podcast for the Spike Rogues. Each week, we design new decks for tournament plays and then put our creations to the test so we can share our findings on the air. What worked, what didn't, and what can be improved for the following weeks. On today's episode, Bord was left once again to his own devices and is joined by modern expert First Turn Negator to figure out what the secrets of it can be kept in the mausoleum. Hope you enjoy the episode and see you soon. Welcome to the Faithless Brewing Podcast. Tonight, our lovely CEO is still on a holiday. How can he just take another holiday? I know, it's the utmost betrayal to every single one of us. And David and Damon actually seem to have real lives. Everybody's abandoned me tonight. And yet again, I am not alone. So, tonight, I'm joined by someone who has a little bit of a real life, but has an absolute love for MTG. You better know it as First Turn Negator. Sudden, how is it going? It is going great, Mord. How are you? I'm doing great. Really lovely to have you here and put a face to the man behind so many rules, you know? It happens a lot. The first time I record with someone, it's the first time I get to see their face or hear their voice. And sometimes it's just so different from what one will picture. Yeah, I remember uh, when Faithless Brewing, uh, the original cast, uh, Dan, Damon, and Dave, they did the uh, video series uh, with Wizards of the Coast. And I remember seeing the promo for it and i was like oh that must be dan that must be damon that must be dave and then the video started playing i got i got all three of them wrong <laughs> so <laughs> no no i think i got something similar and i got dan just because for some reason i was sure he was bold <laughs> so i knew that the ball had to be dan that don't kill me i still love you man even when sometimes i ask you where you start shampooing and where do you use soap like i will never know and I will still love you. So, Soren or Sorin or Soren? Soren. Soren, exactly. That's Perfect. the uh, American pronunciation, but uh, the name is Danish. My mom is from Denmark, and uh, I believe the correct pronunciation is uh, somewhere along the lines of Søren. So that's... Oh, Soren. Yeah, so... Sorry, okay. Uh, that's, that's... Excellent. <laughs> uh, it's about as good as I can do it, but yeah. Just wanted to make sure I was calling you close to what you deem appropriate because I know how it can be. My name is also likely unpronunciable for anyone that speaks English, so... Yeah. <laughs> like, it happens. Right, so, sorry, thanks so much for being here. Why don't you tell us a bit about your magic history, something close to what we did with with Davius. How did it start? How long have you been playing? I've been playing for, for quite some time, Emmy. Um, I started at an after-school club in middle school um, when I was in sixth grade. This was uh, in the year 2000, or sorry, 1999. So um, Mercadian Masks was the new set. Um, we were battling the Phyrexians, and uh, yeah, I just absolutely fell in love with the game. And that's actually where my magic online screen name comes from the very first deck i ever built was a phyrexian negator deck uh which basically just tried to play a dark ritual on turn one play a 
five five <laughs> for three mana with trample with the huge downside that whenever it takes damage you sacrifice that many permanents so literally <laughs> a first turn negator yes yes uh i've you know i use i use the that same name on like the local discords for some of the local shops that i play at and you know I've, I've definitely had some of the younger folks um uh i live in a college town and and some of the younger folks have been like oh you know, I'll explain that. They'll be like, "Oh, I thought, uh, I thought you just really liked casting the card negate." <laughs> I thought you really liked cast. So, hi, I'm 23. I'm a college boy. I was born in 1999, and I really thought you liked casting the card negate. Yeah, <laughs> I thought first turn negator came from a love to counter every single your spell your opponent made starting on turn one. Yep. So, like, I, I, I'm one of those college boys. I'm having that same reaction. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so unfortunately, uh, it's completely not playable in the current age of modern, um, but, uh, it is on, uh, the art for Unearth, um, so the, the new, or art for Unearth, I guess there is a new, new one for the Double Masters, uh, but the, um, that kind of, that creature that's crawling up. The Mother Horizons one. Yeah, that's, that is, uh, Phyrexian Negator, um, and, uh, yeah, so then... Oh, yeah. Um, that was that was my deck throughout uh, most of middle school, and um, actually stopped playing uh, for a long time, and I got back into the game because I had a roommate. So hello to Kieran. He was my roommate at the time. He uh, he was engaged to someone who um, whose family played Magic. So her whole family played Magic, and he was like, "Hey, didn't you used to play Magic? Like, uh, <laughs> like I gotta get it in with the, with this family." Uh, you know, all the cousins, all the brothers and sisters, they all play magic. So like, you got to teach me how to play. And I was like, sure. Next time I go home, visit my parents, I'll, I'll grab some decks. And I, I brought them back with me and, um, taught them how to play and, and just remembered how much I loved it. And, uh, I've been playing ever since. And that was, um, funny enough, I played from Mercadian masks to the set apocalypse, which was kind of the end of that story cycle. And I started playing again in uh, new Phyrexia. So I, I, when I got back into the game, I was like, oh, hey, Karn, I know who this guy is. I know the Phyrexians, and uh, they must have been around the whole time, and it turned out that, that they weren't. Uh, they'd been gone for, you know... It was just a lucky coincidence. Yeah, it was just, it was just a weird coincidence, and I was just like, what is this? What is this Karn? Karn liberated? Like, restart the game? Like, what are these pluses and minuses? Like, I, I didn't know anything about, uh, you know, what a Planeswalker was. And uh, so it was, it was uh, quite a trip. And they actually paid homage to Phyrexian Negator by printing Phyrexian Obliterator, which was supposed to be much, you know, much, much better. Uh, that is uh, still probably not modern or even if it was in Pioneer, I don't think it would see play. <laughs> Phyrexian Obliterator, which I don't know, is... I think one of the best anecdotes I have in Magic, because there was this really, really braggy player in my LCS, and he was playing against a guy that always plays Brood. Always plays Bruce, but like really bad Bruce, not good Bruce, mm -hmm. bad Bruce. And the other guy went something like, turn four Phyrexian Literator, and the braggy guy, who was all high and mighty, was like, okay, opt, opt, bolt you, flip my thing in the ice, attack you for seven. And there was this tiny itty-bitty detail that Phyrexian Obliterator is a horror. Yep. <laughs> so the other guy goes like, like, block, you suck seven permanents. <laughs> and everyone just, from all the tables in the LCS, because we had been hearing what was going on, just started laughing out loud. It was 
such a beautiful experience to watch. Oh, that's that's amazing. One of these days, I'll I'll put together a uh, Frexian Obliterator, maybe a Domery Raid, or or one of the other fight cards. Uh, <laughs> put that together and and see if I can get it to fight a, uh, I don't know, a Solitude or something. If you feel, feel good. Is Arena Modern Legal not right? I believe it is. So you can uh, you can you can tutor for that. There's Arena. There's um, Prey Upon. There's a couple of effects. So yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. So well, yeah, one of these That's days I, I gotta I gotta do it at least once. So you started playing in 1999. Did, did you start playing with this love for brewing, or was that something that developed back when you came back into the game a lot of years later? Um, I think that was definitely when I got back into the game. I mean, when I was in middle school, it was you know what what did my weekly allowance allow me to buy, and uh, you know, and and where could you buy cards? I, I didn't have a credit card. I couldn't order cards off tcgplayer.com, or you know, I don't I don't even know if that existed. You know, it was a lot of uh, looking at prices yeah. in uh, Scry magazine and uh seeing if you could trade trade the cards you don't want to the the kids that had the cards that you do want but um i do have one distinct memory of going to the local mall and there was a kiosk not a full store but just a kiosk that sold magic cards and i remember i bought a foil phyrexia negator for like seven dollars and that was like that was a lot of money you know for uh for me at the no, time I, so, I, I know that perfectly yeah so it was a lot of like you know just trying to figure out you know what what can i get and what can i put you know should i buy a um you know a, a starter deck and, and upgrade and i think i i think i had a couple i had a kind of a grixis control one and i think i had like a, a green white aggressive deck uh that had some you know armadillo cloaks and i think in the grixis deck i had a i had a croesus the purger i opened one in a booster pack so i think i i think i built that deck from scratch to try to you know maximize attacking with that and uh uh you know uh won some games and uh but you know against against some other middle school opponents but uh yeah once i got back into the game it was you know and, and kind of in college we you know me and my friends it was it was you know how do we how do we start playing um okay let's try out standard you know put together some standard decks um i think the first deck i ever really got together was a heartless summoning deck uh with some you know frost titans and uh oh love it it was actually like kind of competitive um you know there was the blue white delver deck which was pretty busted at the time and you know but it could still it could still steal some wins and i think that was the first deck i you know worked on and eventually i i I don't think I was really playing seriously until um, Theros came out, and I think I started really started playing standard uh, the first Theros. Um, okay, okay, uh, two thousand and thirteen. <laughs> and I I remember seeing the the mono black deck came out, um, and I think it came out at the Pro Tour. Yeah, Devotion Gary. Yeah, Black Devotion. Um, you know, Lifebane zombies and pack rats. And, and I remember before it was kind of recognized as it, it was, a, yeah, this is like one of the best decks. Uh, I saw it, I believe it was the Pro Tour or maybe, you know, a 5 list. And I was like, I have to buy this. Like I used to play Mono Black back in the day and I, I bought into that deck and I just played it for a year. Like it was kind of a, it was kind of a good and bad standard because there were so few decks uh, that were good because monocolored was so pushed. But uh, one of the great things was starting out in competitive play. Like I just played the same deck for a long time and, and really got to learn it. And uh, I think that kind of like 
got me into competitive magic. Uh, but the, the games were great. That standard had some really interesting, you know, there was only like five decks at the top of the format, but the, the gameplay was really great. And I, I started really innovating uh, and like, you know, oh, can I add a color? Can I, you know, can I play blue? Can I play green? Um, what does that get me? And uh, just kind of started uh, really tweaking out the deck and, and eventually got it to, you know, got good with it. I got into modern, uh, started playing uh, Naya, like kind of Naya Zoo. Around that time, I, uh, Wizards, in their infinite wisdom, decided that um, Wild Nacatl had been banned for the wrong reasons <laughs> and uh, came, <laughs> came back to the format. Because a 3-3 was not that strong. Yeah, yeah. So, And then I played that deck in Modern for a long, I mean, many years. Uh, and I was always trying to like innovate within that shell of, you know, Wild Nacatls and, and Night of the Reliquaries. Uh, and, you know, sometimes when Amulet was big, like I played for Blood Moon main deck. And, uh, you know, when Collective Company came out, it's like, okay, how do you maximize Collective Company within the shell? Uh, eventually that deck, uh, you know, Eldrazi Winter happened. And then right after that, uh, Death Shadow be- became very popular. And then it was like, it went like, uh, it became unplayable overnight. <laughs> Um, uh, so that was kind of a, a fatal push got printed, I think, too. So, uh, but man, that deck, it, I have a lot of great memories with that deck. It was a, it was a lot of fun. It, um, it was, you know, surprisingly competitive and, uh, not, not everybody played it. So, uh, but yeah, just crush twin, <laughs> crush twin. I'm sad to say I have never played against twin outside of cube. So I have only heard legends and the myth about queen, about twin and pod. Yeah, this deck played uh, played chokes in the sideboard. This was before like Spire Buff Canal, so you had this like auto win, and it it played a uh, four Quasali Pride Mages main deck. Like, yeah, it was <laughs> <laughs> it was a great time. Okay, it was tuned to be twin. Yeah, it was it was good time. Yeah, <laughs> but as you said, some of your first decks comes when you don't. Ha- a lot of brewers like us start playing when we don't have the resources to actually afford the game. And it's a bit of a truth that necessity is the matter of invention, and that leads us down the down the pathway of if I can't afford the real legs, I will still build something. Yeah, absolutely. We are still gonna make our path. Absolutely, absolutely. So now, now, now I have a mana traders account, and uh, yeah, that that makes things a lot easier to <laughs> try out things online. But mana traders is golden. Yes, mana traders is amazing. It keeps it. Keep, it's what keeps me playing. I don't own my decks IRL. I just have the mana traders, and it's my way to keep playing. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. So I, I, uh, yeah. So I have seen a lot of your results are sort of toolboxy. You always, you always talk about toolbox, or you always talk about tutor effects. At least in most your articles and builds, do you have like a natural affinity towards them, or is this like just a normal coincidence? Yeah, kind of. I think. Um... In a way, toolbox decks are kind of like putting together a puzzle. Um, and in a way, in the same way that a lot of combo players talk about, you know, I'm, I'm going to try to storm off this game and I'm going to, uh, you know, take the or, you know, do a big dredge turn. And I'm going to put this puzzle together uh, to create something that's that's really cool, really neat and kind of win the game that way and in a lot of ways toolbox decks they're you're still putting together a puzzle but a lot of times that puzzle is is trying to take apart your opponent's strategy uh in ways that you're playing cards that uh might not otherwise see play in a main deck um and sometimes you can get some really wacky sideboard cards uh that 
kind of you're you're putting together a puzzle where you're sort of undermining your opponent's deck and uh maybe you have a a finishing game plan that's uh not as strong as some of the you know more proactive things uh that the rest of the format is doing and that's i think that's just like a really interesting puzzle there's not always the most powerful thing you can be doing you know tutors cost mana uh i'm sure we'll talk about that later uh you know they cost extra mana <laughs> tutors do cost mana Sometimes they, you know, they they allow you to cheat on mana, but yeah, I think I think those type of decks are uh, are, are pretty interesting, um, and and the play patterns are are always uh, the games are always different. You know, it's not like ad nauseum where you're doing the same thing every single game. Uh, your game plan is different based on what your opponent is doing. Um, I think that's I think you know whatever your opponent opens with, your game plan is then different. My favorite deck that I've ever played uh, was a standard deck. It was a blue-black control deck, and this was in Cons of Tarkir and uh, Theros. And the only win condition that it had was it was four Ashiok, uh, the three-mana Ashiok that that doesn't really do anything by itself. It either either mills or it steals creatures. And that's it. And hope it's enough. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I think sometimes there was there was like an uncounterable serpent, um, the Pearl Lake Ancient. I think maybe that was in my sideboard. But uh, yeah, for the most part, like the way that deck played was so different, like depending on what you could steal from your opponent. You know, if you were stealing Seed Rhinos, like your game plan was so much different than like if you were stealing, uh, you know, one mana, two ones from an aggro opponent, you had to play that game completely different. And that, that deck was, was really fun. Maybe it wasn't the best thing in the format, but, uh, I, you know, I won, won a lot of really interesting games with it. Well, the interesting games are part of what we love magic. I have read you have an inclination for the control mirrors. You're closer to my type of people, right? Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, uh, control mirrors, they're all about Tefri Time Raveler, which is uh, uh, okay, uh, terrible. But, but. <laughs> the enjoyment in the long game, in the long grind where every single decision matters and sometimes it's doing nothing during 10 turns and that's the best aspect of it. Absolutely, absolutely. That's a lot of fun. Sometimes that's all you need to just love the game. Mm-hmm. That's one of the beautiful parts about Bashik. Sometimes what you love is what other people will hate and vice versa, and that's always something people will strive for. Yes. This versatility in the game. As, as well as your love for Toolbox, I have seen that sometimes you're going to play the best deck in the format and sometimes you're just going to go down the rabbit hole closer to something, I don't know, maybe something Davius Minimus will do and just play Bruce. How do you decide which tournament is worthy of a real deck? Or is it an aspect of, I consider this brew to be good enough against the meta where it might be better than the real deck? It, it kind of depends what I'm playing, like what type of event I'm playing in. You know, uh, I don't really want to waste 30 tickets uh, in a challenge if I don't think I have a chance <laughs> to, to crack, you know, the tier one decks. And, you know, I think I think modern is a little bit like that right now. Like the I think the tier one decks are just so good that it's, you know, it's... Um, it's tough to beat all of them. I think you guys were talking about this a couple a couple episodes ago. So, and, you know, it almost it almost feels like there's like two moderns right now. There's kind of like what you see in the first three rounds of a league, and uh, then there's the modern that you see when you're three zero or three you know three one. Like the you know you're you're gonna see the yeah. you're gonna see the tier one decks, and uh, I think that the modern in the that you play in the first three rounds of a league is is maybe a lot more fun <laughs> than the the ones at the end and um but you know um 
It just kind of depends. Like, if a deck is fun, like, uh, and I can go 3-2-2-3, then, you know, I'll, I'll keep working on it. And, uh, you know, I, I, I like... I really enjoy trying to make decks a little bit better. So, um, you know, than the last time I played them. So you enjoy the tuning more than the brewing? I'm a tuner, for example. Danny's more of a brewer. I think so. I, I think, you know, they're, um, the lines between the two are, are definitely, I think, a lot more blurry. It's blurred. Uh, than, yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I love finding a brew that I get to tune, um, but I also enjoy kind of taking... Um, an existing deck and, and being like, you know what? I, I know I can make this better. <laughs> um, yeah, that's what I love the most. Yeah, I think that's a great way to like get into brewing as well. You know, it's it's uh, when people talk about brewing, I think it's very intimidating uh, to sort of, you know, be like, I have to come up with a A plus B plus C strategy from scratch. And then I'm going to find all these obscure cards and I'm going to find the next oval chase daredevil that like takes things, you know, existing cards to the next level that were previously draft chaff. And, uh, but you know, a lot of times it's, you can look at a deck that five owed and be like, you know what, this deck needs to be like, it needs to be splashing another color. You know, it needs to cut this color and needs to splash something else. And like, and that's, that's like a great way to start. And then from there, you know, maybe you find, uh, you know, a pretty, pretty interesting synergy that, that wasn't there. I think, I think that's a lot of fun. You're just going to go down the rabbit hole immediately. Once you start brewing, you tend to just go down the rabbit hole immediately. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It starts with testing a few one-offs, then you add a new color, then you're just brewing stuff from zero and you're just losing yourself in the brews. Then you get to the O5s and then you start playing tier decks again and it's like an up and, <laughs> an up and down of how insane you can get before you need to reorganize yourself. Yeah, ab- absolutely. So... <laughs> All right, so let's go to the mid of today, I think... No, before we get to the middle of today, I have a little bit of housekeeping to do, especially and first most, um, saying hi to our new patrons, Arhelium? Unpronounceable, yeah, I know. <laughs> or is, wait, give me a second. I'm not sure if unpronounceable is a second one or it's Arhelium. I think that's a second one. I think I've, I think I've seen them uh, on the Discord before, so they, okay, they might be coming perfect. back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, excellent. Yeah, they're coming back, so... I just want to thank our new patrons, which are actually two different. It's not a side note by Dan for Halion. It's our Halion and Unpronounceable as two different entities. <laughs> just got to make sure that was not like a side remark that I was saying. <laughs> so thanks so much for joining. Um, you know, everybody, the best way to keep us going is to join our Patreon, show us the support you have for the show, get you Discord access alongside a myriad of beautiful brewers such as First Tornagator present here. A person who we assume likes to cast country spells, but rather is just someone who likes to unearth stuff or dark ritual stuff. We were mistaken, we were deceived, and we were gonna sue for wrongful naming because it's clearly something with someone that likes to counter stuff. Yeah, hey, I'll, I'll just say uh, uh, the Discord's a great place um, and to hang out and, and trade ideas. And uh, a lot of people give. A lot of people give. Yeah, a lot of people just love throwing their ideas and getting feedback, and people just love discussing magic, so what more beautiful than just surround yourself in people that enjoy the same aspect of it that you do. So, besides that, you can join us on YouTube as well, alongside Twitter and Facebook, where you will see all our new content, the videos about the leaks we're discussing, and with that being said, we can jump to the mid of today, which is Mausoleum Secrets. 
So why did we bring Sorin today for Mausoleum Secrets? And the reason is, during the last monthly project, Sorin proposed Mausoleum Secrets as his card of choice. And instead of doing what most people would do, which would be something like a small deck list or a tiny concept, he just went full on insane brewing. We were seeing posting after posting after guy after guide after guide after article regarding the card. And he put so much work into the card, even if it didn't win the monthly vote. The card deserved at least its own episode, and who better to discuss it than the person that has likely cast it the most times in modern since its inception. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> um, yeah, it was, a, it was a lot of fun doing that. Um, I, I had brewed with it a little bit before... And I was like, "Hey, I think this. I think there's there's something here, and I, I think it's a little bit unexplored." Uh, but then I heard you and Brian uh, suggest, you know, when you guys were going through the list of all the cards that were nominated, I heard you guys go, "What can we do with this?" Well, we can tutor for profane tutor, and then two turns later, get the card we actually want. And I was like, "Well, this card's not winning, so I better start. I better start working on it on my uh, by myself." So. Uh, that was pretty funny. I um, I usually listen to this podcast while I'm driving to work, and and I just was like, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, so some tips if you're nominating a card, uh, you know, next time if you're in the Discord, um, maybe maybe put a suggestion of like what do you think you can do with it instead of just putting a a blank card uh, and and hoping that, <laughs> that people will come up with something. Yeah. If you don't give us any ideas, we're gonna going to go down a weird rabbit hole. Where depending on who starts, it's gonna get really crazy or really solid. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be myself, and then gonna try to go for something always grindy, always mid range, or it's gonna go down, and he's just gonna say, "You know what? We can combo with this. <laughs> this is a combo piece. We don't know yeah. how, but it is." <laughs> so the card that we have forgotten to describe is Mausoleum Secrets, one at a black for an instant with other growth, which is the Golgari mechanic from Return to Ravnica. Sorry, City of Ravnica? Some of the new last Ravnicas. Yes. <laughs> in which you may search your library for a black card with CMC less than or equal to the number of creatures in your graveyard and put it into your hand. So we are talking about a two mana instant tutor for a black card that costs equally or less to the number of ones in your Take. Creatures in your graveyard. Yes, yeah, it's, it's basically an instant speed demonic tutor that, for some reason, uh, hasn't uh, broken out of the format. So, <laughs> lots to do with it. Exactly. So, what what are the important rules about this card? First of all, it doesn't say mono black, so it's any black card. It could be Nibmiset, it could be, or it could be Free Excel Obliterator. It doesn't have an in between. It checks on resolution, not on cast, something a close to traverse the Ulven wall. So you can cycle in response to make it bigger, or you can exile your opponent graveyard in order to stop them from getting anything that's more than zero. Lands are colorless, except if they are not lands, ergo Egadim's Awakening or Malakit Rebirth. And as Soren went ahead and chose the four blackers, there's four zero mana cost blackers in modern which are relevant. Yeah, we have Asmora, um, we have Living End, we have Profane Tutor, uh, which is a little bit silly to get, and, and Slaughter Pact. Uh, so if Twin ever gets unbanned, uh, the first thing you should do is uh, order some Slaughter Packs, because uh, those uh, definitely saw some playback in the day. 
<laughs> it was the spice back in the day when we didn't have solitude. Right, right. And then in Pioneer, sadly, this means there's zero mana black. There's zero. There's zero zero mana value black cards in Pioneer. That that was harder than it should have. Yeah. So these these are definitely notable because if you don't have any creatures in your graveyard, you can still get one of these uh, either as you know something you're building around, or um, just as kind of like a. Uh, default action. Um, so I, I definitely have cast a lot of Mausoleum Secrets for uh, with zero creatures in my graveyard to grab an Asmo, um, and that that's been a that's been a pretty strong play. It is, it is. Asmo is a good card, and finally, this doesn't get my favorite black card. That's not a black card, Wasteland Strangler, because the Void is the Void, and it's the suckiest mechanic that Magic has ever came up with. <laughs> I'm willing to say the Void is worse than Companion and fight it for it. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's weird. It's not even, uh, you know, you would think like, oh, it enters the battlefield, it loses color. But no, at, at no point does it does it have any color. So, But you still can't play it in Commander uh, if you're not that color. So, I don't know. Weird, weird mechanic. Exactly. So, why do we play Tutors? Why do we go ahead and actually fight through the restrictions? Because Tutors always carry two downsides, or at least one. A, they add an extra course to the card you're looking for. For example, something quite simple as El Adamris Call can get you any creature, but you're adding two mana to its mana cost. So that's where you go into the fighting point, to the argument of like, is this creature at the right moment worth two extra mana? Or in the case of Mausoleum Secrets, not only the extra mana cost added to the versatility, but also the cost of making it work. For example, running stuff like Street Wraith. Why do we go through these lines? Yeah, it's it's a great question. Um, and there's a lot of things that tutors do for you, both in the construction of your deck and in the actual gameplay, um, which is something we want to really think about when we're brewing around with this, because a lot of times magic players think, hey, it's a tutor, it's busted, or it's so bad that it's unplayable. And I think Mausoleum Secrets kind of hits a sweet spot where, yeah, it's, it's it's obviously not getting banned uh, tomorrow, um, and uh, but like I've still been able to do some really uh, cool things with it and five uh, zero with it, and you know there's other tutors in the format, you know uh, Eldamri's Call, uh, Eldritch Evolution, you know that that see some play um, with the correct building around it. So one of the things that they do is they allow you to find uh, or they enable A plus B plus C combos. Um, so kind of the one that I've been working with is persist and unmarked grave, um, which are two cards yes. that are doing something very powerful to when they're together. Uh, but you, sometimes you have two unmarked graves in hand and no persists and, uh, it doesn't do anything, you know, um, or, or vice versa. You have two persists or like the game that I played against Mord, um, this was a few weeks back. I <laughs> ended up with four persists in my hand. Uh, so your hand was all persist. <laughs> and just nothing. And I was yeah. like, I'm losing this game. I'm losing this game. He has five cards in hand. I'm losing this game. And then you just concede. Yeah. So, yeah. So, tutors should help you, um, you know, get get the right piece, uh, which, you know, allows you to do something unfair. Uh, and that game didn't happen, but uh, it has happened for me in, in other things. Um, another thing it can do is it, it can enable, you know, the podcast, you guys talk about the rule of eight a lot, you know, uh, which is... Essentially, if you have eight copies of an effect, you can be, you know, pretty sure that you're going to see it in either your opening hand or the first uh, several turns of the game. Um, so but a lot of cards are very unique 
and don't have a rule of eight because there's nothing else like them. Um, so a couple of ones that I've tried uh, to work around is, is Waste Knot. Um, there, there's no other card that does what Waste Knot does. Um, another one is, is Heartless Summoning. Um, that's something that, you know, there's... Yeah, if there were eight Heartless Summonings, you could you could build a deck around it and be, you know, fairly... Uh, feel like you're going to be able to get that effect, uh, and that's worth adding cards that are that are maybe not so good without it um so that that's definitely <laughs> an, uh, uh, a huge advantage for having a tutor the other is we've talked about this a little bit um is toolbox structures which means you know you have a bunch of different pieces uh a bunch of different cards that are maybe a little bit situational uh but you can just run one of each uh so that if you draw it uh, and it doesn't, you know, if you draw a card that is great in the uh, against combo, but uh, you're playing against burn, you know, that's that's not ideal, but you only have one of them. So it's you're essentially taking a mulligan, um, which you can still win from a lot of mulligans. But when you do draw that card against the right deck, you know, it's a lot of times it's a auto win or, or close to an auto win. Um, so you can you can have a toolbox structure for either your main deck or your sideboard. In that case, you go, for example, like in stuff like something that's going to be really common is like, is this meddling mage worth four mana in the right spot at the right time with something like an Skull, or just going into the insane complete opposite of like, is this um, Tormod script worth four mana with this card? And when I'm playing against Rage, yes, I want a four mana Tormod script if I can have it. The same way I want a five mana Magus of the Moon against specifically Tron. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, I think I think that's that's a great way to put it, especially for reactive decks. And when you're brewing with more proactive decks, um, you want to think about kind of like how unfair is the thing that I'm doing. So in Reanimator, I mean, there's so many times, you know, there's so many games where I want the top card of my deck to be a persist. And I would absolutely pay four mana for it. <laughs> you know, it normally only costs two. Uh, but uh, that card is so good, you know, reanimating an Archon of Cruelty is so good that it is uh, worth a lot more than just four mana. Um, so we, we would want to, that's something where we, we would be very happy if about that effect. So. Yeah, the rule of fate is always, like just having more effects and a different one is a lot of time extremely relevant. If you can justify a way to consistently find that Raven's Crime when it's good, it's not going to be that much worse than I thought since the other times. Yeah, and so you can kind of diversify your, you know, your slots. You know, if you if you were, if you're dead set, I want eight death card spells. You can play. You know, normally it's like, okay, I'm going to play four Thoughtseize, I'm going to play four Inquisition. But with a tutor package, you can maybe put some more high variance cards in there. That uh, you know, you can say, All right, I'm going to cut one of those and I'm going to play Raven's Crime. And every once in a while, you're going to be able to be like, I'm going to tutor for Raven's Crime, and I got my Ren and Six in play. Uh, bye-bye hand opponent. Um, but you don't want to see it all the time. <laughs> so yeah, I actually, uh, one of the decks that I built was a, a four color deck or I guess, I guess five color deck. And I had both run and six Raven's crime and uh Teferi time raveler. And you can actually, you can lock your opponent out of, uh, casting any spells ever again. Uh, but, uh, I, I never got to pull it off. <laughs> it's pretty unlikely. That was a dream. Like if it happens, it happens. And sadly it never did. <laughs> no, no. So the other part that Dan asked here is something that I think I'm suited to answer, which is, has Yorion changed how toolbox strategies work? Like once you start adding a lot of tutors, do you want more bullets? And in so, do you want to play the noodle as well? 
That's a great question. That's a very good question. And I think that's a yes and a no. So you have to go back a lot of steps because this question ramifies into that direction once you start asking, what am I toolboxing for? If what you're toolboxing for are permanents, then once you have a tutor for permanents, you're going to play ETVs or permanents that do stuff that you would do with instance or sorceries. Instead of playing push, you're going to play Skyclave Apparition or Solitude. So once you start tutoring for creatures, you're going to play creatures with effects you might want to look for, and those creatures you're going to want Solitude for. That's why in a lot of creature toolbox decks, you're going to start finding Skyclave Apparition, Solitude, Fury, and such. It's not because you want to tutor for those, but because you have a tutor for Meddling Mage, why not have a Solitude that I might need to tutor for? And then you start justifying Furion. The same happens with Enigmatic, with enchantments instead of creatures, and with any deck that has that tutoring for permanence. This doesn't happen when once you're tutoring for... Um, what's the name of this deck? If the Wilderness Reclamation deck was still alive. Sure. What was the name of the format instant? Uh, Mystical Teachings. Mystical Teachings, yeah. exactly. Mystical Teachings decks would not play Yorion, I think. Yeah, it kind, of, it kind of depends how much you are actually looking for toolbox pieces versus just trying to play your normal game plan. So, um, you know, if you're if you're if the key aspect of your game plan is getting a wilderness wreck and play, um, yeah, maybe you don't want uh, Yorian. But if your key aspect of your game plan is is being able to tutor out different instants, uh, then, you know, maybe you do. Um, and, it, you know, if you say, OK, I, I'm OK with getting a um wilderness wreck in play in 20% less of my game. So it, it just kind of it's it's what's your key what's your key thing. But yeah, Yorian has definitely changed a lot of the ways that uh I think players build decks and um uh I'm kind of tired of seeing it, but uh it's it's had a very interesting history so far. <laughs> Watch your words very carefully, <laughs> Mr. Sorin. You are treading into dangerous waters once you start attacking the sky noodle. Hey, uh if I absolutely agree with, I think, the point that you've made previously uh, about companions, that if there was a lot more of them and we had more to choose from, uh, they were, you know, a very established part of the game. I think that would be a lot more interesting than what we have right now, where there's really only one deck that plays... Uh, a companion that's really synergistic to the rest of its game plan, and it just happens to be the best deck in the format. <laughs> so that's uh, uh, that grinds my gears a little bit. Um, but I, I, it's not it's not so much that like I, I don't like Yorian. It's just it's like why does why is the... I don't like companions when there are a few of them. Yeah, it's like when I have a companion that works uh, that enables my zombie tribal deck. I would be totally happy to see a Yorian across the table for me, but you know, like the the, it's like okay, you can either get uh, a Yorian, which is like very synergistic to your game plan, or you can get a vanilla five five that sometimes helps you beat a Blood Moon. Like that's free. Yeah, yeah. I don't remember. I was like, I I played Hearthstone before I started playing Magic, and Companion is a concept stolen from Hearthstone. They had. I don't know if you ever played Hearthstone, but in Hearthstone you have your hero ability, and they had this deck setup where if your deck was, if every single card in your deck was even, it did something, and if every single card in your deck was odd, it did something. So, Obosh and Giruda. Mm-hmm. 
I was in love with that mechanic, so when companions were getting spoiled, I was really happy. And the first spoil was Giganta, one of the first. And I was like, okay, we can play Nib in Giganta in Nib, we just gotta remove Supreme Verdict. That's it, we already have the companion we need because I was playing Nib at that time. Mm-hmm. And then they spoiled Yorion, and I think I was <laughs> one of the first ones to say, this is free. Yeah. There's no reason not to play this. Right, yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's definitely like changed the way that yeah, people people build decks. Having more than sixty cards, I mean, that was heresy for you know years and years. So it's a uh, it, it's still heresy for a lot of people today. Like sure. still nowadays, people will tilt that eighty cards. Sure. But yeah, Yorion has caused that change in the mentality of a lot of people and players, and I think it really changes how big decks and tutor decks play themselves because of exactly that. Absolutely. And then we go to, okay, so let's go down from tutors generally to Mausoleum Secrets. We talked about the three problems tutors tend to have. The fact that they add cost to something, that they only get specific cards, and that they might be too slow on tempo. How do these limitations act around Mausoleum Secrets? You separated those and you started by saying that the black cards, only getting black cards is the less restricted limitation. Why is that? I think because black can do so many different things in the in magic, um, it has one of the widest spreads of any color on the color pie. Um, I mean, it does card draw, direct damage, discard. Um, it has edict effects. It has spot removal. It has efficient threats. You know, think death shadow. Uh, it, it hates on the graveyard. It gains life. It ramps. Um, there's recursion. Um, it gives you sacrifice outlets. It gives you. Uh, I don't know what to call them, but like surgical extraction effects. Um, it gives you uh, tutors. It gives you, you know, wraths. Um, it can even destroy enchantments now, which is, you know, a, a new thing that they've gotten. <laughs> um, so that's, I mean, that's so many different things. Um, that, you know, they, and that's not even talking about, you know, combo potentials. And then when you add the gold cards to that, uh, so multicolored cards that that have black in their, their casting cost, what you can do expands even more. Um, so, you know, a, a card that I've been playing with a lot is Drown in the Lock. Uh, all of a sudden, you can tutor for Counterspell, and that's won me just so many games. Um, uh, even with just one Drown the Lock in my deck, a lot of the time, um, you can destroy artifacts with with Rakdos Charm or or Fracture. Um, that's just so many different things. You can get a lot with Agadim's Awakening if you have three creatures or a Taplan with one. Yeah, um, I, I've been um, yeah, I've been really liking doing that. So that that's not that bad. What is bad is the uh, <laughs> well, maybe I shouldn't say bad. What's what's more restrictive is the undergrowth mana restriction. Um, this really changes, you know, only being able to get cards that are equal to or less than the the number of creatures in your graveyard. That really changes how this card works. It changes how you build your deck. And I don't think it's the end of the world, especially with kind of how mana efficient modern is um, at, at the moment and, and maybe Pioneer too. I think you really want to build your deck thinking about your Mausoleum Secrets deck, thinking about like, hey, what's what's the highest mana value that I need and kind of work your way backwards to that. And, and it could be as low as one. And I would say it could be as high as three. I, I really think four is kind of the cutoff to 
being able to expect that Mausoleum Secrets can find a card. Like, can it happen? Sure. Uh, but like, I, I wouldn't even put a single card in my sideboard, uh, if I, if I was counting on mausoleums to be able to see it in a certain matchup, like that's just, it's just fours apart where it becomes unreasonable. I've tutored for grief, maybe, you know, two or three times, but, um, you're really looking at, at kind of the bottom of the, of the mana curve. Um, so just kind of a, a quick little note. I mean, this, this kicks out certain cards. Um, it kicks out ad nauseum. Damnation, Invoke Despair is a card that's been seen a lot of play. You know, Niv-Mizzet, and, and probably most notably Yawgmoth, uh, is those are going to be very hard to find. Doesn't mean we can't play them, but like, I you, you shouldn't count on Mausoleum Secrets being able to find those cards. Uh, the other thing you have to worry about is you can't play cards that exile large. Well, I, I'm going to say can't. Uh, maybe be very careful about cards that exile large numbers of cards from your own graveyard. Um, so delve cards and escape cards, uh, cling to dust, Croxa, Murktide Regent. These are cards that you want to be really careful about playing with because uh, you don't want to, you know, cast a delve threat, you know, have it die and then be like, I really want to tutor for such and such now. And, and you can't. Um, the only really exception, the only real exception I can find uh, in kind of building decks was uh, that Lazav, the multifarious. Uh, so shout out Jiggy Wiggy, who is a big fan of this card. <laughs> <laughs> Who is in love with the Croxa Lazav builds. Yeah, so, you know, maybe you can still you can still play Croxa in that. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's, it seems dubious. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I haven't tried it. But, um, yeah, that's like this is the big restriction of the card. But there, there are some ways to get around it. Um, you know, we typically think about like, oh, the more mana something costs, the higher impact, the um, the more powerful it's going to be. But there's actually a lot of cards that have quote unquote small val- mana values uh, that secrets can get, but they actually have an effect that you know allows you to dump more mana into them. Um, so I, I've listed you know a ton of options here, uh, but Turok. Um, is, you know, it's a four mana card, uh, but it only costs two to get with um, Mausoleum Secrets. Uh, Valky and Tybalt is another one. There's a um, uh, shout out to Jerry Thompson for Dark Salvation. That's a <laughs> kind of interesting one. Uh, but other ones that I played, I played Erebos's Intervention. This has been like a very big sleeper for me uh, that I, I put in once and, and I've been really impressed with. Uh, you have March of Wretched Shadow, which is the black version of March of uh, Otherworldly Light that doesn't see a whole lot of play, but you also get some interesting Wraths in uh, Dam um, if you're playing white uh, and the Meat Hook Massacre um, are, are kind of interesting. And and I guess the last card that I'll, I'll call out for this is Torment of Hailfire. Um, if you're kind of a big, big mana deck, these are all cost two or less, but they're, you know, they're much bigger spells. So there, there are some ways to, to cheat around that. So, yeah, the, the false, the false mana cost, right? Like Dam is a two mana removal, but we all know it's a four mana wrath. Mm-hmm. Turak is a four mana creature in 99.9% of scenarios, Midhook Massacre and such. And those are like the best ways to trick, to trick on this actually finding you a win con. Because, as you said, if you want to consistently find something less than three, well, maybe the closest thing you will have to a wink on is like Hellfire or Balky slash Tibalt. Right, right. Or Death Cloud if you're insane. Like, literally insane. Yeah, Death Cloud is, <laughs> Death Cloud is uh, something I, I thought about a lot, but uh, had a lot of trouble. There's, there's a lot of the uh, big mana decks 
if I could have eight Sakura Tribalders, I think a lot of them would be doable. But the other options, uh, there are some other effects that are pretty similar to that, like Dawn Treader Elk, and uh, they're just they're just not good. They're not up to modern playable, but um, so I haven't really been able to get anything to work the way I want it to uh, that kind of involve these big mana payoffs at the end of the game. But, you know, maybe there's maybe there's something out there. Maybe there's something to find that we're still lost. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about what cards you tend to have in most of your lists. Like, what are the staples starting from zero? Like, what are the staple cards that you have in all your leg list, or do you, or are they just completely different per build? So it really depends on what your build around is. Uh, so there's, I mean, you, there's so many different build arounds. Uh, I, I think maybe it's best to kind of talk about them as we talk about specific decks. But uh, you know, I have uh, okay. I have a big list, but there are a lot of just like grade A cards that go in a ton of different decks. To, and it, it, uh, for a lot of them, it doesn't matter what your build around is. Um, I think every list I built, uh, almost every list I built has started with uh, one Malakir Rebirth uh, in the main deck. Uh, that card has just been a, a real, it, it kind of a real surprise for a lot of decks, especially decks that are trying to kill your creatures. Um, it allows you yeah. to actually be tempo positive in a lot of cases. You know, maybe someone's trying to kill your uh, four mana creature and you know, it only costs three mana. You know, they're spending two mana on a terminate and you're spending three mana. Getting it back for one mana. Yeah, and it's just, it's, you know, a lot of decks don't play this because it's, uh, you know, it's awkward a lot of the time, but, but being able to tutor it, uh, tutor for it, is uh is just been a huge hit and every sideboard i built has started with two cards uh and they are lithoform blight which is the um black spreading seas uh kind of uh basically it, it you know removes abilities and types from a land and costs one and a black for an enchantment and uh then they get to it's a spreading seas but instead of making it an island it makes it into a city of brass without types a city of brass yeah this used to be the Enigmatic Incarnation Special. We were running this before yeah, we were running yeah. Spreading Seas. I don't know why. The important thing is it, it kills Urza Saga. That's all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it kills Urza Saga. And it attacks Tron. Yeah. It's like a stab against Tron. But yeah, two mana killers Saga draw a card. Yes. Uh, there's some other applications. It's It can be good against creativity if you're on the draw. You know, it removes, it removes the mountain type line from a card. But, you know, mostly it's, it's there to kill Urza Saga. Stop Sabalakut. And the other card is Surgical Extraction. And uh, this is kind of one of those cards that every player that's getting in the format, they're like, oh my god, Surgical Extraction is so good. Like, I just want to play a ton of these. It gets rid of the best card in their deck. Uh, and eventually, you know, a more experienced player is like, uh, you know, this you're, you're telling me this is a four for one, and that's kind of not how that works. <laughs> when I started playing, I think the three-mana Ashok from Ravnica was the... Sumer Surgical Extraction. Yeah. Everybody just says, no, no, this is amazing. I'm going to stop all their fetchlands. And the more you play, the more you realize, oh, no. Yes. <laughs> this is not correct. But when you only put one in your sideboard and that goes into your main deck and you have access to four of them, uh, that's a totally different story. Um, and uh, I've been just, it's its won me a lot of games, um, you know, especially with Cascade being everywhere. All you have to do is discard or, or counter one Cascade spell and, and you can really uh, take apart your opponent's game plan. Um, 
it doesn't come in against every deck, but when it comes in, man, it's 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 really good. And and yeah, that's kind of, that's basically what every Mausoleum Secrets list starts with is you're starting with these. The other kind of big cards, you know, there's a lot of the a lot of them are the same black cards that you see in a lot of other decks. You know, Fatal Push, Thoughtseize. A very impressive one has been Bone Shards uh, for one black mana. It a sorcery that kills anything or sorry, yeah. kills a creature, Planeswalker, but you have to discard a card or sacrifice a creature. Not only does that is very efficient, but it can also help you turn on secrets um, by discarding your creature, sacrificing a creature you're not using. Um, <laughs> and then, like I, I mentioned this before, but Erebos's intervention has been a, a just a came out of nowhere and has been really impressive for me in a lot of the kind of slower reactive decks that I built with it. Did the Black March get some consideration? Yeah, I think I think March is is. Um, uh, it's not as versatile as Erebos's intervention, but yeah, it's it in certain situations it's definitely more powerful. I think a lot of the decks that I've been building have been these like hyper efficient, hyper mana efficient decks, uh, and I think if you get into maybe something that's a little bit that can slow the game down a little bit more, um, that, that would be that would have a lot of homes. So something like a, okay. a control deck or or you know mid range. Um, but yeah, at, at two mana, there's uh, the Doomblade variants, um, Terminate variants, whatever you want to call them. Uh, there's Dothy Voidwalker has just been a has been a really good card because it it uh, sacrifices itself to enable secrets, uh, and uh, it plays well with Malakir Rebirth. <laughs> um, <laughs> it does. Yeah, and and Turok has been a great card, mostly out of the sideboard. Uh, but yeah, getting getting a bigger effect for for just two mana. Um, has been great. Uh, there's there's some other cards that are interesting. Uh, that you know, collective brutality is one. Um, you know, there's there's just a lot of relics of the past. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I think feed the swarm has been really interesting. That's another card that kills Urza Saga. And uh, there's there's also the one there's the card uh, break the ice that that destroys any land that can produce colorless. I, I haven't played so much with that, but, but definitely interesting. But those are kind of like the key cards that you should be at least thinking about in, in every deck that is black, uh, that has black mana. Once you get into other colors, uh, your options get a little bit more interesting. White has Vindicate, uh, which is an okay magic card, uh, but it the kind of the standouts have been Kaya's Guile and Fracture. Just being able to tutor for these situational cards has has been really strong. Even if you just play one, Kaya's Guile is a little bit harder. You know, as it's three mana, generally you want to prioritize, uh, you know, going as low as possible. But you know, it's it's. It's very good against Murktide. Yeah. Um, Dam has also been another good one for white. Um, that's that's really interesting. The false mono lacquer. Yes. <laughs> um, with red, you get a huge, huge, huge card for me has been Rakdos Charm. Uh, I know it sees no play anywhere else. Really? But this card is just... I mean, it is the red Kaya's Guile. Or the black red, <laughs> black red Kaya's Guile. Exiles, it's a... Two mana instant, uh, for those who aren't super familiar with it, it's red and black, uh, destroys an artifact, exile target player's graveyard, or if you're playing against the four color pod deck, uh, the cat combo, every creature deals one damage to its controller. So <laughs> I definitely, I've definitely done that, you know, back in the twin days. I haven't been able to pull it off against that deck yet, but, um, but that's a dream. Yes. That's doing that, doing that, that's the spice from back on the twin days. I have seen that in the clip from that time. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that card's been really impressive. 
you know, kind of the other the other big cards in red are, are Colgan's Command and Terminate. But you know, if if you want an artifact, if you want a card that destroys an artifact, you should be looking at the cheapest version first. Like if you say, hey, I've got you know 13 cards in my sideboard and I I need cards for artifacts, you should play Rakdos Charm and then Colgan's Command. If you only have one, I think you should go with a cheaper option just because you're gonna see it more often. You know, uh, you should play it if you've got 14 cards set. Play Rakdos Charm first, go for the less powerful option, but the cheaper option, and then consider playing Colgan's Command. You know, the big thing that red offers, though, is is cards that um, destroy artifacts, because black can't do that unless it's a creature. Uh, when we get into <laughs> to blue, we get a Drown in the Lock, which is a, just a huge effect uh, to be able to tutor for. That's just, you know... Uh, what other deck can say, hey, I'm going to tutor for Counterspell? Um, I, I guess maybe we, we talked about Mystical Teachings earlier, but uh, this is this is two mana cheaper. Yeah, of course. Yeah, and, and you know, if you're playing black, you're playing discard, you're playing removal, you should, even if your opponent's not filling up their own graveyard, you, you should be um, helping them with it. Uh, the biggest downside to this card is that it's very awkward with Dothy Voidwalker unless you're playing against exactly a cascade deck <laughs> uh so be careful of that yeah in most scenarios it's not gonna work yeah be careful of that you also get in blue you get unmoored ego uh in in case that's better than necromantia uh sometimes it is I, I don't really know what the the metric is there i don't think it ever is like i think a card is practically always better than a zombie yeah especially if you're playing black that you should be able to deal with a zombie and then I see that you have green, but green is just like better removal, right? Like just versatility in removal in most scenarios. Yeah, if this was uh, 2015, we would we would really be talking about these green cards because they were the cream of the crop removal. <laughs> you got Abrupt Decay, you got Assassin's Trophy, uh, even threw Golgari Charm in there. Do you remember people saying Assassin's Trophy was going to transform modern? Yeah. <laughs> I remember people were insanely obsessed with that card on, on release and then it was just like, eh? Yeah, I... I pre-ordered them for like $20 I think each like man yeah money has just gone out the window uh yeah I mean nowadays no no uh, white removal is so good that like these cards aren't that special yeah. so it, it I, they just got really class yeah if you're playing green already yeah you can include these uh but like this is definitely not uh really an option I like or I don't think that these cards are like pulling me to adding green to a you know a a deck that has other colors in it. Uh, the the one exception to that is Grist. Uh, again, it's three mana, so maybe it's a little bit harder to to enable it. But uh, Grist is Grist is pretty powerful. Yeah, Grist is a great magic card. It's the new better Lily of the Veil, and I'm not taking a no for an answer. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Besides the tutors, which are what what we get, which is gonna differ from build to build, which we are gonna discuss in around five ten minutes. That like the different builds. How what are the creatures you use to fill up the graveyard? Like how do you stock your graveyard consistently enough that you know you are gonna be able to at least tutor for two or three consistently? You said mostly two is like the golden number. Yeah, uh, two is kind of the the number of like that's maybe the cutoff for your like need to haves and and three mana is the like hey I, I want this card every now and again. So something like Kaya's Guile. Kaya's Guile is not absolutely critical to beating, let's say, Murktide, 
but it is it is very strong against Murktide. Um, and uh, yeah, if you can get it, it's going to help in a lot of scenarios. Like killing a Ragavan plus exiling a graveyard. Yeah, it's just gonna help you a lot. Yeah, um, and so I think that's kind of you know unless you really commit to you know a deck that puts a ton of creatures in the graveyard, you know, two is kind of the cutoff you need to have. So, um, okay, but but yeah, so you can you know you can look at your zeros through twos and and you know pick out a ton of different effects. But the way that we turn it on is is the best. There's kind of four ways. Uh, there's self-enabling creatures, so creatures that put themselves in the graveyard for some value. There's discard outlets, sacrifice outlets, and finally the worst of them is, is self-mill. But the, the main thing we want to look at <laughs> is... Um, uh, uh, sorry to uh, Cave Dan, who loves his crab vine. But the, the main thing we want to look at is creatures that put themselves in the graveyard and give you some value out of it. Um, so. And you and again, you want to be thinking about what's the most mana efficient. And at zero mana, uh, we have kind of the one off here that's probably not very good is Fairy Macabre. Um, but then we have Street Wraith is just is something that you know uh, I've put in a ton of decks. Um, it's it's zero mana, two life, draw a card, undergrowth count goes up by one. Okay. Uh, the only downside to playing Street Wraith in, is that sometimes you draw it against Burn and uh, you can't play Giganta. But um, yeah, who cares? <laughs> <laughs> we don't care about Giganta. No. Uh, but then the, then the other main one is the uh, Evoke Elementals from MH2. Um, so the Grief, Solitude, Fury, Endurance. Um, those ones, they, again, they go to the graveyard for free um, and they give you a great great amount of value. Ironically, Grief, which is the only proactive one, it's the one that works best because you are, it's really weird for you to Solitude or Grief on turn one or, sorry, to Solitude or Fury on, or on turn one or two, but it's really common and actually what you're looking for to Grief on turn one. Yes. So that's, yeah, uh, it's kind of the best card that's on color um, and, you know, I've, I've definitely built a, a lot of decks with it. It's it's not a perfect card for every strategy, but, you know, when it when it's good, it's it's... You know, it's it's really impressive. But there's a ton of these cards. I won't go through all of them. I'll just kind of highlight a couple. But uh, Insolent Neonate is a great way to go from zero card creature cards in your graveyard to two cards, you know, because it sacrifices itself okay. and puts a, you know, if, if you're playing Reanimator, uh, puts a creature into into the graveyard. Um, it has uh, yeah. some cool synergies uh, with um, Malakir Rebirth. <laughs> so you can actually, in, in that way, it's, you know, maybe better than ephemerate you know comes back you gotta do it again that, that's won me a couple games um but there's there's a lot of interesting options hope of Girapur, uh visira seer uh a card that cave dan really tried to hype up which was liliana's steward um i don't don't know if that one's playable what is that it is a one mana one I don't even know the card. two one one that uh you can sacrifice it to uh make your opponent discard a card or make any player discard. Hold on, why <laughs> this is bad? You gotta tap this, and only so no. Only as a sorcery. Why? The only thing I could think of with that was uh, you, maybe you play a turn one, then turn two, you play a waste knot, and then I don't know. Hopefully they discard what you want. <laughs> I, I don't. Hopefully know. everything works out. Yeah, yeah. On two mana, you get Augur of Skulls, which is at least card advantage, but. Um, yeah, but just bad. Yeah, I mean, in two mana you have the Dusty Void Walker. Yeah, the, and and then you have like this cycle of creatures that sacrifice themselves to do something. You have the Crater Makers, the Malevolent Hermits, Sakura Tribe Elder, 
Shriek mod, Timeless. Timeless Dragon is a cool one as well. Yeah. It's like a card that goes into a graveyard while also enabling like a 2 for one on its own, getting you the land plus an eventual 4-4. Four, four. Yeah, Waker of Waves is, is another good one that kind of, I think, the uh, Waker of Waves and, and Timeless Dragon, I think, kind of go together because uh, you can play them in slower strategies. I totally missed Timeless Dragon when I was building a lot of decks, uh, and I wish... I, it wasn't until you guys did your moderation episode and you started talking about it, I was like, oh man, this card would be great in uh, Mausoleum Secrets. So, <laughs> in Mausoleum Secrets? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I haven't I haven't been able to play with that yet, but I, that's it's on my list. And of course you have cyclers. So any any time where the cycle cost is, you know, either one or two mana, I, I, I think is is probably also playable. Um <laughs> Yes, if you really want to go to secrets, playing the good cyclers might help. Like mostly the seemingly castable ones, or like with the wind color Aven, which is actually like a one mana spell in some scenarios where giving flying can be relevant. Yeah, Death Shadow deck, for example. Yeah. Exactly. So why don't we go to your first list, like, what do you have for us? What was your first list with Mausoleum Secrets and how has it evolved? Yeah, um, the the very first list there was uh, was actually not mine. There was someone 5 would with this. I want to say it was in 2019. Uh, it was a blue-black shadow deck, and I was playing Avon Windcaller, or sorry, Windcaller Avon. Uh, the card's so yeah. obscure that I can't even get the name right. Uh, and I think it was playing consuming rights is that the card that it's basically it's a black fling that's a sorcery yeah. speed uh it, just some really bizarre choices and someone 5-0'd with it i remember i built it the next week i 5-0'd with it as well and then uh somebody else got the publish and i was i was very salty about that so i think that's I think the fact that I didn't get a publish online uh, is what kept the kept Mausoleum Secrets in my head. And uh, yeah, earlier this year, I built a... Uh, I tried to rebuild that deck kind of from scratch. You know, mana's better now. Uh, let's play some Tarmogoyfs. <laughs> uh, let's play some Griefs. Grief was kind of the catalyst to all this. I was like, well, hey, wait a second. Now you have a card that goes to the graveyard uh for free uh besides street wraith so we can we should be able to we now have a rule of eight of zero mana mausoleum secrets enablers and uh yeah i i went four one twice with it three two twice with it so that's a 75 percent win rate uh unfortunately the deck was really boring to play um uh <laughs> so uh, I kind of put it up on the shelf, but it had some really cool lines. You know, I had I, I found the Lithoform Blights right away. I found the Surgical Extractions, and... Uh, it, it was like a proof of concept. Like, can this work while we still stick to something close to comfort? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of put it up on the shelf. The, basically, the deck just it needed to absolutely nut draw the opponent, and if it did, it, it won almost every time. And, and so, basically, the games were kind of like, hey, is my opening hand uh, above average? Yes. Uh, maybe I think we have a really good shot at winning this. But, like, when it mulliganed uh, too much, I mean, it just, it, it, the deck did nothing. So, um yeah. So, but yeah, then you guys had the nominate a card, and uh, I nominated it, and I was like, I'm gonna start working on this right away. And the first league <laughs> I played with it, I five owed, which was a reanimator deck with some weird choices, if I can say so myself. Yes, yeah, some very strange choices. It was a Grixis colors. I had seen Aspiring Spike play. Um, I think I. I don't think I watched him play, but he had a he had a list with insolent neonates, and that's kind of like what 
triggered like this deck list. I was like, oh, that card, if you discard a you know reanimation target, you automatically get uh, enough creatures in your graveyard to turn on secrets for either persist or unmarked grave. And so I built this deck with Ledger Shredder, Grief, Street Race, Mishra's Bobble, Insolent Neonates. And then kind of the big payoffs are Archon of Cruelty and uh, Titan of Industry. And, and I think a little bit lucky because I 5 0 right away. Uh, the deck definitely had some problems. <laughs> the transformational sideboard is what shocks me the most. Like the For the Shadow for Ragavan. Yeah, the sideboard was, uh, the idea was like, hey, like when they bring in all their graveyard hate, like let's bring in just a bunch of other creatures. Uh, so I put four Street Wraith, four Ragavan, and a couple of a couple of uh, tutor targets. So Turok, Dothy Voidwalker, Rakdos Charm, um, and in addition to those stock Surgical Surrection, Lithoform Blight. And uh, it turns out that like a like if you take out your Archon of Cruelty, um, like a Solitude is still gonna kill your Death Shadow. <laughs> uh, or if you're worried, oh yeah, if you're worried about your opponent's <laughs> Archmage's Charms, like countering a Persist, well, it's still gonna steal your Death Shadow. So um, a lot of the answers lined up the same, like. Graveyard Hate was not as relevant and everything else hit both plans. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've, you know, I've kind of been iterating on this this deck. Uh, the other thing was this deck was playing uh, three or four Bobbles and four Street Race. And that was just like, you would look at your opening hands and be like, <laughs> you would have like four of that effect. And you'd be like, I have no idea if this hand like is amazing or terrible because the top four of these cards are completely random <laughs> uh, or, or close to being random. I have a land, an insolent neonate, two spirit blade, three mistress bubble. Mm. Yeah, it's like, what does this hand this could do? be anything. <laughs> so uh, I I learned pretty quickly that like you just cut the ledger shredders, um, cut the mistress bobbles. You can you, there is some amount of tolerance for that effect. So um, uh, I am you know I've I've stuck with street race. I've stuck with the neonates, um, and I'm actually going down you know a little bit. Uh, the deck that I've been the reanimator deck I've been playing recently is actually Mardu, um, and uh, there's so much bounce effects and you know brazen borrowers, autoars, and whatnot. Um, that I I added ephemerates. I cut blue entirely. I added ephemerates. <laughs> uh, that's been like a huge boon for the deck um, because you know putting an archon of cruelty is not always uh, that doesn't always end the game um, right away. But you know ephemerate helps. It's also yeah better with grief. It turns out I guess out. a lot of decks like for color you are not gonna win with a single archon, right? It's right. like the card draw that's going to keep bringing more rather than the presence of one. It's not like the old... Well, we're going to talk this in a few seconds, but the old Dean Fins. Yeah, yeah. And and so this deck, uh, I, I'll talk about it a little bit more in depth just because um, uh, this is, I think, kind of the most fun I've been having with it. Uh, but yeah, I'm on four Street Wraith, four Grief, uh, some Malachar Rebirths, three Ephemerates, main deck tutor targets in bone shards and fatal push uh but then i also have i've actually gone up to four unmarked graves i had this big realization that like hey unmarked grave increases your undergrowth count so like i should be maxing out on that effect <laughs> and uh when you do that you can also play uh unburial rights as you know additional uh it's it's another it's a tutor for your uh reanimation spell so 
four Archon of Cruelties, four Persists, three Mausoleum Secrets, um, and I've I've had a lot of uh, I've had a couple of flex spots right now. I'm playing uh, Fable, the Mirror Breaker. I don't know if that's the best, uh, but it, it's probably the most fun. I played uh, Lilian the Veil. I played I played Haggle in this slot. I played a lot of cards. <laughs> Like that's part of the testing, right? Like you, you, you just go like this could be a good idea. You test it, and it's not. But at least now you know. Yeah, yeah. Like that's progress. Yeah, it's it's definitely possible that that this deck, uh, the white cards do a lot. It's it's maybe possible that that a four color build and and playing some uh, tainted indulgence uh, is better than than what I'm doing here. Um, but uh, the the white sideboard cards are a huge boon to the deck. There's four Stony Silence, which is just amazing against Unlicensed Hearst. Basically, every deck that's playing Unlicensed Hearst can't get rid of a Stony Silence. Yeah. <laughs> it also turns off Mishra's Baubles and Ragavan Treasures, which a lot of opponents are like, uh, why can't I cast my spell? Why can't I cast? Uh, and then you, just, like, you wait like 10 seconds and they like untap everything and they're like, oh, okay, I think I got it. I- I'm going to admit I have lost more games than I should to Candy Great Creator stopping my Ragavan Treasures. <laughs> yeah. But like, no way. Like... I have, I have an endurance in hand that I want to cast, and I wait till my opponent sends them, and like, they cast a card, and I'm like, should I do something in response to it? Nah, it's fine. And then I'm like, oh no. Oops. <laughs> what have I done? Stony silence. Yeah, the rest of the sideboard is, is definitely, it's very much targeted to beating the hate cards. The scariest hate cards are, are ley lines and sagas. And so I've got I've got two wear tears, uh, fracture, rectos charm, um, and then the other scary card is endurance. Um, and so I'm playing four oh, Ley yeah. Line of Sanctity, uh, which is definitely, a, you know, it's, it's not easy to have that in your opening hand every game. But uh, when you when you do, it's it helps. It really it really helps. Um, there's also a, a surgical extraction of Lithoform Blight that's in every deck. A Sarah's Emissary, which um, is great against Hammer and a couple other decks. I have only lost one match to this getting killed out of Hammer. Everyone else has. Cons- I've, I've, Played it in play against maybe six or seven hammer opponents, and there was one that didn't concede game two, and I was like, "What the heck is going on?" And, and I won that game. I think I lost the first game. The the next match, uh, like everyone else had just you name creature and they they concede. Yeah, yeah, it's an instant win. Yeah, one opponent like didn't do it game, and it happened game three again. I was like, "Okay, that was kind of weird. Maybe they're just seeing what else I had." Put Sarah's emissary into play game three. <laughs> And they path the exile it, and I was just, oh my gosh, uh, didn't didn't see that one coming. Um, I'm also playing a dam. My uh, ran this deck through, I, like I wasn't really initially considering this card. Uh, my friend Brad, who um, uh, he he owns a local game store in town, I was showing him the deck. He's like, he's a much better uh, uh, deck builder than I am. He was like, you can't cut dam, so it, it's still there. Uh, he was like, yeah, you you, you got to play that. So that that's kind of the that's the deck, um, and it's it's I've been having a lot of fun with it. It's very good against uh, you know at FNM, and you know it's it's one of those it's really good at the first three matches of your league, but it it does struggle against some of the tier one decks. Uh, four color is is definitely rough with all the Eldamri's calls for endurances. Yeah, I, <laughs> I can see you sneaking a win against Murtide or like leaving in. It's likely pretty easy as you start just getting Archons in your graveyard, and if they eventually leaving in, they're just gonna lose to itself. Yeah, living end is living end is a breeze. Uh, that's that's definitely very favored. The versions with Drown the Lock, I, I don't think I ever lost a single match uh, to living end. Uh, but this this deck is it's a little bit worse. But without um, a leyline effect, they essentially can't beat you 
Uh, Hammer is good. Uh, the worst, though, is Yogmoth. Yogmoth is really rough. Um, just Grist. I mean, they like Archon triggers. Like they, they don't even care that they have sacrifice creature. They're they're excited. Their creature's getting bigger. And then yeah, they Grist you or they combo you. Uh, it's really really tough to beat that. Rhinos can be a little bit hard because they play just a million bounce spells and um, uh, some lists are playing like four brazen borrowers and it's like oh my gosh. So, but um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, the absolute worst matchup is Jund, uh, the Jund Saga decks, because the Saga, I mean, Saga just puts you on such a clock because they're like, I'm going to get a piece of graveyard hate out uh, and I'm going to put other creatures, you know, I'm putting, you know, bodies onto the battlefield for, uh, you know, sacrifice triggers. I'm going to have bodies, I'm going to have graveyard hate, I'm going to have a cloak, and I'm going to rag up on you on turn one plus Thoughtseize, always. Yeah, I mean, they're even playing Riveteer's Charm main deck, like, oh, yeah, that's, that's, that's tough, so... That's my reanimator deck. I've tried a couple of other ideas. I've tried to build one that was a half Asmo, half uh, reanimator deck. Uh, it didn't work very well. Um, but there is another player who's. This is the only other person who I know who is working with Mausoleum Secrets. It's a, a player called Walker, um, or sorry, Walked, W A L K E D uh, on uh, Discord and yes. MTGO. I've seen them on the Reanimator Discord, uh, and they actually posted a primer on their Twitter, which is at Walk There, uh, and it's a Tin Fins deck. So they're actually playing like all the tutors. Uh, they're playing you know Mausoleum Secrets, Profane Tutor. Uh, it's Asmo plus uh, Gorio's Vengeance for Gristlebrand and Emrakul. I think this style of deck had been talked about on the podcast before. Um, yeah and uh yeah just so the deck features four Muslim secrets four profane tutors so it has not only of course the reason this deck doesn't just play on mark grave if it's because it doesn't get le- um, legendary creatures which both the creatures are trying to get back with godios are of course legendary because godios only gets back legendary stuff right which is the reason we always think the wizard gods for making and with, with wizard gods i mean some black for making sure on mark grave said non-legendary creature some black thank you again <laughs> great piece of design so yeah this this is a very interesting deck they're the only other person i know who's been been working on it so uh if if you're working on it uh hit me up on the uh faithless brewing discord and we'll, we'll share some ideas of course join the discord and you can join us with far more good ideas so besides this deck list what are some other places where you think the card would be amazing where would you add this card if you had to choose right now a build that could be improved by it, you think? So the deck that I've been playing this this past week has been uh, Asmo, uh, specifically the food deck. Uh, I originally started with this like weird Grixis deck. The Esper one? Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm not playing Esper, and I'll talk about that in a sec. But yeah, I, I originally started with this like Grixis deck with uh, Riel the Everwise, uh, and I was like, what if what if this is like really like a mono black card um and uh like you know we play lily on the veil and and you know underworld cookbook and i had some success with it but you know all the changes i i kept making to it just felt like maybe i was building a worse version of the kind of the aspiring spike blue black food deck or esper food deck and i had a lot of fun with it i had a positive win rate uh with it on on magic online but um you know Eventually, I was just like, you know what? I got to try this other food deck. Uh, this was the first Asmo deck I've ever built, and Asmo decks are weird. Uh, they're just so strange. It's weird to, 
yeah, they work so weirdly. It's like a different game almost. Yeah, the the packages that you have to include to make it work take up like over 50% of your like non-land slots in the deck like uh you know between cookbook and asmo itself the sagas daredevil like you want to have some amount of uh saga tutor targets but yeah just very strange uh so i was like you know what maybe i should go back and and actually start with kind of an existing deck and so yeah i've i took aspiring spikes deck i watched him play like one um league with it i kind of took some of his ideas and uh kind of spun them around what i've been playing with is is essentially his deck um he did this thing though where he well he's playing giganta and i don't really buy that you want to i think street wraith is better uh you know one of his arguments was like hey you know what you you want to be able to beat blood moon so uh like this helps you beat blood moon and I was kind of like, without, you know, if your opponent Blood Moons you, you're only playing 20 lands normally, and all of a sudden your Sagas go away. Now you're playing a 16 land deck, and you're trying to spend 8 mana to get a generic 5-5. Like, I just don't think that's going to win you the game. I, I think I would rather, like, try to make my deck work better in general. Okay. So I added Street Race, uh, added 3 Street Race, because, you know, they, they help play uh, Secrets. I cut um, one Time Sieve. And uh, I think I cut some unearths just because I, I felt like... Exactly, you earn only two unearths and three times six, which are, I think, the biggest differences. Yeah, that's kind of the, the big differences main deck. I'm playing a little bit light. I'm just playing one Mausoleum Secrets uh, in the main and then one in the sideboard. And that's something that I've done with a handful of decks where I put more copies of secrets in the sideboard um in a way that, like, Legacy decks, they used to play uh, Enlightened Tutor with this, like artifact enchantment sideboard uh you know where they didn't really have any in their main deck so i've kind of been messing around with this uh and i think that it's i think it's working i I don't think you need to run (laughs) four time sieves uh and and four hunters included some other tutor targets in the sideboard um another thing you know he was I, i watched him play and i'm not trying to criticize aspiring spike he's a fabulous player and deck builder but like you know, he was playing against Murktide and he was like, oh, I got to have, you know, I don't want to bring in these um, prismatic endings again in against Murktide to be unlicensed Hearst because if I get Blood Mooned, I can't play it. So I cut the white for red because uh, what happened in the next game is his opponent played a unlicensed Hearst and he didn't have <laughs> he didn't have any outs to it. So uh, <laughs> I was just like, well, you just play red. Like, and so I'm playing an, and a K command, a Rakdos charm and an upgrade because uh, I, I found in the leagues, okay. the leagues, I was having trouble beating artifact hate. Um, I do have a feed the swarm for enchantments. And K command is such a good versatile card. Yes. Like also works against 4C, even if they don't find the hate. Just playing the three mana instant is going to help you in a lot of games. Yeah, yeah. And um, I, I think my biggest criticism of this deck is that I don't feel like it's a very good Ledger Shredder deck. Like what this deck does with Ledger Shredder is just just nowhere near as good as like what Murktide is doing, for example. But um, yeah. I, I still think it's very strong. I, I tried a league where I cut the uh, Ledger Shredders for expressive iterations and it felt about the same. <laughs> um, but um, hmm. yeah, I... I, I've been able to mausoleum secrets four times and not had to draw them in you know awkward spots. I've was able to win a game with Street Wraith where uh, I was able to take like 
I had enough artifacts to take like two turns, uh, but I wasn't able to go infinite. Uh, and I was playing against Grixis Death Shadow, so they had swamps. So I just I slammed the Street Wraith, took two extra turns. They were at six, and uh, I, I won the game. And uh, I mean, Giganta wouldn't have done anything. They had two seven seven Death Shadows, so it was like that. I felt like you know I felt a little bit justified. Um, in your defense, that Giganta was not gonna save you. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, I've I've. How did, I'm still learning the deck. I'm I'm not going to claim that my ideas are 100% better than you know the, the changes that I made are 100% correct. But yeah, I'm I'm just I'm having a lot of fun with it. It's a very strange deck. It's uh, I've been thinking of it. It's like the avocado of decks because like when when like its opening hand is just right, it's it's amazing. It's you know it's the best it's the best um, you know snack there is. But like a lot of times you have a lot yeah. of you have a lot of dead cards in your hand uh for certain situations you know sometimes you can't cast asmo um you know other times your your time saves are your dead draws but uh in a way secrets helps with that um i i might want to go up to two secrets main deck and one on the side um but uh yeah it's it's, it's been fun help you out a bit of consistency yeah yeah all right love it before we go through before we end i would like to talk about two more deck lists. first i want to touch slightly on shan sacrifice slash shan you think that just helping you find the correct half of the deck might be enough? Yeah, um, I built a... Uh, I originally built it as Jund, and uh, it was a little bit clunky, and, and so I cut it back. I was I built it as Jund. I built kind of a like a fairly stock Jund list and added secrets to it. Uh, I was thinking that, like, oh, I don't really want to play Raven's Crime, like, uh, with Ren and Six. And, and it turned out that, like, the mana was just not great, and uh, eventually I... I Switched it to just red black, uh, kind of the built it off the scam uh, lists with the the griefs and the furies as ways to turn on secrets. And kind of what I found in that you know that deck is it's so fair. What I found is that secrets was not very good game one. Um, you know a lot of these decks they suffer from you're drawing the wrong half of the deck problem. You know, either you draw all your fatal pushes against the combo or you draw your thought seizes against aggro. And, um, you know, that, that we've, that's been talked about to death. So I was like, well, you know, maybe secrets will help. I found that to be kind of, you know, it's, it's just too mana inefficient. But w- once the game went to games two and three post sideboard, all of a sudden secrets went became like the best card in the deck. Uh, so I think uh, the builds I had for that were like one secret main two in the sideboard you know with a bunch of silver bullet targets and uh i think that deck has a lot of promise uh like if if that deck is good in a meta i i really think secrets is uh a a big enabler to that deck um and unfortunately it it also has a hard time keeping up with you know the the four color decks in the format uh you know beating uh veil summer and all math and all that but um i i think i was i was very happy with it as kind of something that really brought the sideboard to life. So if they ever print a good sideboard card against uh, Yorian Pile, <laughs> uh, with this, that's not go- that's not bound to happen yeah. anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> I think uh, unless unless it goes something like if your opponent has more than sixty cards in the deck, they'll fight Amash to face. Yeah, yeah, I, I don't like, think it's happening either. If they print a three mana Sundering Titan or something, uh, yeah. But <laughs> and finally, just as a closing bit of thoughts. I want to talk about the craziest decklist you have presented here and during the past couple of weeks, which is five color Death Denied Elementals. Yeah, this was a deck that I took. I took it to FNM. I've only played it once. Um, 
This deck is way outside of my rental limit uh, on Mana Traders, but it's basically it's a four color deck that uh, you know it's playing Omnath. It's it, and all the evoke elementals that it can, and the main idea is like you're going to play all these evoke elementals to stabilize. And then what you can do is you can cast secrets to get a death denied. Death denied back your whole graveyard. Death denied is a uh, black black X instant that returns X creature cards from your graveyard to your hand. Yes. And and basically just using that to um, take over the game. <laughs> so uh, and and you don't have to worry about casting it for a ton of money because all of the elementals they recast themselves for free. So that was a deck, and I took it to FNM. I went uh, 3-1. I beat Burn, which, like, never happens uh, with Four Color. or Not never, but almost never. But it, both sideboard games, I tutored for a light piece of life game. Uh, I think once I tutored for Erebus's Intervention, and another game I tutored for a, a sideboard, Kaya's Guile. And those cards won me both games. So that was kind of neat. Again, this is, this is a proof of concept. Of course. I think a better way to build this would maybe be to build a more controlling shell using like Timeless Dragons, um, playing Dam, playing just a lot more exile based removal. I guess Dam doesn't count, but, um, you know, being able to secrets for, you know, situational cards. Uh, one thing you could even do is you could play Living End um, if you went full exile uh, and and used alternate ways besides Cascade spells to cast your Living End, like uh, as foretold. That's that's maybe a little bit out there, but you know, with Solitude and with um, Waker of Waves, Timeless Dragon. I think all we need for that is like an Electrodominance slash as foretold effect that's black. So you could wish the tutor not only as a way to get Living End, but also the way to cast it. Yeah. Because I think the biggest problem with that sort of deck is the fact you don't have the rule of fate for the as foretold itself. Exactly. Unless you're playing like Grixis Colors and you're going really deep. Yep. Yeah, or yeah, if you have uh, some way to, yeah, I think the I think the Grixis versions are just a little bit too bad. If maybe there's another way to tutor for As Foretold, uh, other than just trying to draw it with Waker of Waves triggers, <laughs> um, then maybe there's something there. But uh, yeah, I, I I tried pretty hard to get a Living End deck together that was not Cascade, and the, there just wasn't anything there. It's really hard to make it better than Cascade. Yeah. That's the biggest problem, right? Like, the deck can be fun, it can be decent, but how do you make it better than a great deck? Exactly. But yeah, maybe just, just the control version um, with Death Denied and, and lots of, um, you know, again, Timeless Dragons, Waker Waves, Solitudes, um, tutoring for Drown the Locks, um, but, you know, around kind of a more blue-white controlling shell uh that's that that could be i think that's the better way to build this and um you know maybe it's esper uh you get dam um or maybe it's it's a four color where you also get fury or um i don't know i don't know if any of the green cards are worth it beyond the sky turtle um but uh yeah sky turtle yeah i just love the sky turtle and with that being said um is there anything you want to add Lovely first turn negator, the one that doesn't counter as we expected. <laughs> um, no, yeah, this is this is um, what I've been working on. Um, yeah, if you got any uh, good uh, deck lists that use Mausoleum Secrets, let me know because I'd love to see them. I've I've tried a lot of ideas that uh, we didn't talk about that did not work, uh, like Heartless uh, Summoning, Waste Knot. I could not get a Waste Knot deck to give me more than one win in a league. Yeah. <laughs> 
Periods will get access to the drive, and there you they, they will see a lot of tech leaks that went undiscussed due to, well, time limits. But you will see that Sorin has done his more than fair share of work in trying to see the best way to find this. And I think maybe the most underexplored shell, but maybe it's a bit tough to enable, is monoblack coffers. Like, in theory, it's amazing, but how do you fit enough creatures in there? And that's, I think, where the trouble starts. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, again, if if I think a lot of things would take off if there was another uh, Sakura Tribe Elder like card um, that that gave you mana and put itself in the graveyard for for a good rate, but um, uh, not not really at this point. So we don't have that yet. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, there's there's Pioneer too. Um, there's like Thopter Sword combo. In, in modern, I, I think uh, Camberleaf had a really cool deck that had Dark Heart of the Woods and uh, Vito, the vampire. Um, yeah. Those are both black cards. Uh, I think he was playing some other tutors, but um, that was a really neat deck. Um, <laughs> Beautiful spice. But uh, yeah, this card is is it's not busted, but um, I do think it's I think it's playable. I th- it deserves more love than the one it's having right now. Yeah. I, I think so. I think in in Pioneer, uh, Pioneer is not really my f- my format that I know, but I think the Sacrifice decks, I think the Cat Oven decks are a great home for it, and uh, maybe we'll see them pop up there. That would be great. So, sorry, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Really enjoyed having you here, really enjoyed our talk. And, well, what's more lovely than just talking with proving about people that also love it. Absolutely. It was it was great to, uh, to talk with you, and... Um, yeah, I'm I'm on the Faithless Brewing Discord. Uh, so, you know, if if you are there uh, and have some ideas, definitely say hi. I will be at the. Um, I'm actually traveling to visit family uh, next month, and I will be at the Copenhagen uh, RCQ uh, in Denmark, which is very exciting. And I know um, uh, some of the folks in our Discord are going to be there. So uh, I'm looking forward to meeting some people on a totally different continent. That. I didn't even realize there was an event going on, but um, uh, <laughs> I, I will be there that day. So I, I'm definitely going to stop by. That's great. So, well, thanks so much for being here and have a nice night, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye. If you enjoyed the episode and the show, I want you to know more about our latest brews. You can support us via Patreon. This will grant you immediate access to our Discord, where you will not only find our faceless brewers, but also an army of mind-like players hoping to find the perfect brew, such as Frustor Negator, who came shut from our Discord and became one of our beloved brewers. Finally, remember to tune in next week, as Caden returns and we will go back to tackling on some cards from Streets of New Capena. Have a nice night and hope you enjoy the show. Bye-bye!